Once, there was a hot young blonde that most shallow guys can only dream of. Sandy, as she was called, posed nude with her twin sister and appeared on TV. She usually dated just rich and famous men. Sandy really loved material things, especially pricey jewels. Unfortunately, her hunger for riches led one man to prison and two others straight into the hands of a mysterious killer known only as Mr. Big. It sounds like the plot of a Hollywood movie, but this is a true story. On September 2nd, 2002, Sandy's boyfriend Michael Tardio and his good friend Chris Monson were killed in Hollywood while trying to fence some stolen jewels for her. One man knows what happened that night, but he's not talking. This is the mystery file. Chris Monson was from Provo, Utah, but grew up in Arizona. After college, he moved to LA to pursue an acting career and help manage his family storage business. He struck up a friendship with a part-time model named Michael Tardio. Like Chris, Michael loved racing motorcycles and living on the edge. Both men came from prosperous families and had never been in trouble with the law before. Michael grew up in Westchester County, New York. He attended college in Ithaca and worked for his brother's production company in New York City. In 1995, Michael married a woman named Kelsey Oldershaw and they had two small children. Three years later, the couple moved to the City of Angels to pursue entertainment careers. But few people make it big in Tinseltown. To make ends meet, Michael got a job as a doorman at a trendy nightclub in Hollywood called the Garden of Eden. At the time, it was one of the hottest destinations for celebrities, hanger-ons, and criminals. The decor was described as luxurious, with a Middle Eastern flair. Upstairs, there was a VIP lounge catering to all the big shots in town. As a doorman of the Garden of Eden, Michael had the very prestigious job of determining who got into the upscale club. An attractive young blonde like Sandy Bentley was definitely allowed in. Sandy was a five foot nine glamour model from the Midwest. She and her twin sister Mandy posed nude together for Playboy. The Bentley twins appeared on an episode of Sex in the City and in a Playboy video called Playboy Mansion Parties Uncensored. For about a year, the twins dated the number one Playboy himself, Hugh Hefner, at the same time, and even shared the old man's bed. Living with Hef at the Playboy Mansion was every gold digger's dream. Sandy and Mandy got an allowance every month and anything their hearts desired. Their home was basically an adult playground with a movie theater, pool, cave, game room, zoo, and tennis and basketball courts. The mansion had at least 29 rooms, so who knows what was behind some of those doors? Maybe a secret dungeon? Each week was filled with one wild party after another and tons of illegal substances. Celebrities were always welcome at the Playboy Mansion, especially Bill Cosby. Hef loved to parade around town with Sandy and Mandy on his arm. 
He and his harem received tons of attention and many guys envied him, especially a young five foot tall investor named Mark Yagala. Mark dated only beautiful high-end call girls, strippers, porn stars, and playboy models. He put them on what he called the program, which entailed giving them a monthly allowance and expensive gifts. The self-proclaimed sex addict was determined to win Sandy's affections when he was introduced to her in Vegas by another Playboy model. Mark boasted on 48 Hours years later, I was looking for the ultimate trophy. I stole her from Hugh Hefner, the ultimate heterosexual icon. While Hef gave Sandy a measly $1,000 a month, Mark paid her first $50,000 a month and eventually $100,000 for the 14 months they were together. He gave her a platinum American Express card with no limit. According to him, she was averaging about $100,000 a month on that card. Her room service bill typically ran over $1,000 each time she ordered. He lavished the girl of his dreams with a $3 million Vegas mansion, expensive cars, and furs. Sandy was also gifted with numerous pieces of exquisite jewels, such as three Rolex watches, a $500,000 Chopar watch, and a $250,000 ruby and diamond replica of the necklace Julia Roberts wore in Pretty Woman. At a function she attended with Hef, Sandy was seen on camera wearing a dazzling $150,000 diamond necklace and earrings that Mark had given her. He told 48 Hours, I just wanted to make Sandy happy, and material things made her very, very happy. Unfortunately, Mark was squandering other people's hard-earned money on his expensive girlfriend, and he had been cheating his clients for years. He began trading stocks in high school and eventually started his own investment company in Delaware before he was 20. From 1997 until 2000, he collected $50 million from investors, promising returns of as much as 80%, according to court documents. Instead of investing the millions entrusted to him, Mark spent most of it on luxury cars, homes, private jets, shopping sprees, fancy restaurants, a helicopter, oil wells, and hot girls. One time, Mark spent $25,000 at the high-end toy store, FAO Shorts. He charged up $60,000 at the Four Seasons in a month. He sent fake statements to clients, so his victims were completely in the dark. By the fall of 2000, the 22-year-old's Ponzi scheme was falling apart. In October, the feds nabbed him for mail fraud and eventually, the SEC froze his assets. Mark pled guilty to securities fraud two years later and was sentenced to five years and five months in prison. A report at the time said, his offenses left investors, many of them in their golden years, wiped out. This includes the life savings of an 86-year-old man who was forced to sell his home. Mark's attorney described him as a very brilliant young man with a broken moral compass. 
I agree with the moral compass part. Sandy did not stick around when the feds went after Mark. She dumped him faster than you can say Tiffany's, but kept all of his lavish gifts, of course. She told the feds that she had zero knowledge about her former lover's massive scam, but a judge ordered her to give up all of the gifts, including the Vegas mansion and fabulous jewels that rivaled those of Liz Taylor. Not surprisingly, Sandy absolutely refused to give up anything at first, but eventually relented. She reminds me of another self-centered blonde whose much older husband was recently charged with stealing from his clients. After being thrown out of the mansion, a desperate Sandy went to her still-married boyfriend, Michael Tardio, for help. They had met at the Garden of Eden, and Sandy was apparently smitten with him, even though he didn't have a hefty bank account. Michael agreed to sell off some of her goods for cash, even though he knew that the feds had confiscated them. One night, the two snuck into the Vegas mansion and made off with $1 million worth of jewels, including the pretty woman necklace. An investigator happened to be watching them and recorded their clandestine activities. During the search and seizure of her property, the Fed's attorney discovered empty sections of her jewelry boxes. When he asked her about that, Sandy told him the jewels were lost or stolen by someone else. Michael first tried to sell the jewels to an avid collector and arms dealer named Linda Kim. I was so surprised. Very special jewelry, Linda told 48 Hours. Very high quality jewelry. But she claimed she felt uneasy about the deal and declined. Ironically, Linda was once accused of committing illegal activities that caused political turmoil in her country. In 2000, she allegedly had inappropriate relations with South Korean defense ministers in exchange for a $200 million defense contract. She was also accused of bribery and stealing military secrets. Reporters dubbed her the South Korean Matahari. After a suspended prison sentence, Linda fled to the United States. When she turned down the jewels in 2002, Michael turned to another shady character, this time a convicted felon named Michael Jacobs, who was a regular at the Garden of Eden. According to LAPD Detective Bill Cox, Jacobs told Michael Tardio he could connect him with someone. This mystery buyer was known only as Mr. Big. He's got lots of money. He drives fancy cars, Cox said. The deal was set to take place during the Labor Day weekend. On September 1st, 2002, Michael had the night off from the Garden of Eden. All the jewelry had been polished and set in the box, ready to go. Looking to play the part for his meeting with Mr. Big, Michael even rented a black Mercedes. He also looked for a cash counter in anticipation of his high-priced deal. Cox said, I think Michael was either a victim of too much TV or too much reading. I just think he had no street smarts. Before the meeting, Michael asked the Hollywood stuntman to serve as muscle, but he wisely refused, 
So Michael's buddy, Chris Monson, agreed to tag along. Michael probably got cold feet at some point. According to Linda Kim, he visited her hours before his murder, hoping she would reconsider buying the jewelry. She declined again because she felt that the jewels had bad energy. I'm very lucky I didn't get involved in that deal, she said. If I buy that one, what's gonna happen? They gonna kill me? At around 9.30 p.m., Michael and Chris went to a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard, where cops believe they met the mysterious Mr. Big. Afterwards, the men headed up to the Hollywood Hills. At around midnight, Sandy spoke to Michael for the last time. He told her they were driving through the Mount Olympus area of the Hollywood Hills. Less than two hours later, police believe Michael and Chris were shot dead somewhere in that vicinity. I think it was a surprise attack, Cox said. These guys were caught off guard. The killer then drove the car to a quiet street in Studio City and set it on fire. The burning Mercedes was discovered around 1.30 a.m. on September 2nd. Firefighters did not discover the bodies until the fire was out. At the time of their deaths, Michael was 35 and Chris, 31. The jewelry has never been found. Cops believe it was broken down, melted, then sold in bits and pieces. They found no fingerprints and little evidence at the scene. None of the residents in the neighborhood heard anything unusual. Cops believe Michael and Chris were killed by the person they met with that night. They suspect that the fire was set to destroy evidence, but some evidence suggests a robbery. When detectives learned that Sandy was the last to speak to Michael, they brought her in for questioning. She denied the fact that they were out selling jewelry, Cox revealed. Sandy was not cooperative. She was out to protect herself. But the femme fatale finally started talking months later when they turned up the heat and threatened to lock her up for stealing the jewels. Sandy told them that Michael had given her a phone number and said, if anything happens, call this number. And that number belonged to Michael Jacobs, the felon who brought Michael Tardio and Mr. Big together. Witnesses from the Garden of Eden told cops that Michael and Michael Jacobs discussed selling the jewels. Cox said, this person has been interviewed a number of times. He's been followed a number of times. There's been a lot of pressure put on this person of interest. Police say evidence shows that in the hours before the murders, calls were made between Michael Tardio and Jacobs multiple times during the day and into the night. There is no doubt in our minds Michael Jacobs is the key to the case, Cox said, but he doesn't want to cooperate. In 2011, Jacobs told 48 Hours that Sandy called him that night looking for Michael Tardio. Jacobs refused an on-camera interview. He also refused to answer any questions about the deal, except to say he had nothing to do with the murders and that he slept well at night. If Michael Jacobs is innocent, why has he refused to say who this so-called Mr. Big is? Why did Jacobs' cell phone number, 
show activity in the area where Michael Tardio and Chris met Mr. Big. Also, Jacob's cell pinged in the area where the bodies were found. That's pretty damning evidence, but it's not enough to get him prosecuted. In 2011, LA Councilman Paul Krikorian put up a $75,000 reward for info leading to the capture of the killer. Paul said, this is an unusual case with lots of intriguing details, but for the families of Michael Tardio and Christopher Monson, who lost their loved ones in 2002, this was an unthinkable tragedy. We hope this reward will give police the information to once and for all put this case to bed. Some people actually believe that Mark Yagala was behind the murders, but he was in prison when the whole thing went down. Mark told Daily Mail in 2014, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, I guess, but they were the two stupidest guys in the world. It was a professional hit, he continued. Michael was going around asking anyone in the LA club scene, which is nothing but lowlifes. After his release from prison, Mark moved to Asia and wrote a memoir about his life and wild times with Sandy and the other women he paid for when he was a con man. He claims only $8 million was paid back to his victims. He has not spoken to Sandy since she dumped him in the early 2000s. The woman who bared it all for Playboy and was seen at all the LA hotspots now keeps a low profile. She has never given an interview about Michael Tardio. Someone wrote about her in the Urban Dictionary. Sandy Bentley, the evil half of the Bentley twins, a former Playboy model that has aged like vinegar. She's banned for life from the Playboy Mansion for cheating on Hugh Hefner with disgraced hedge fund manager Mark Yagala. The double homicide of Michael Tardio and Chris Monson remains unsolved. Anyone with information about this case should contact the LAPD. You can choose to remain anonymous. Next time on The Mystery File, a divorced mother vanishes while walking her dog in downtown LA. Her dog is later found wandering alone in a luxury building. Did her ex have something to do with her disappearance, or was it her shady boss? <laughs>